0: This is Train of Thought, an audio and video podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. Today's topics will cover the doctrinal triage and the celebrity culture within modern evangelicalism. So without further delay, here are your hosts, Daron Gladden and Chris Williams. So... I guess we should probably, since this is the first one, I guess we should probably talk about the Institute first. Yeah. I'll give you the floor to talk about uh, TBCRI, okay. uh, Biblical Christ Research Institute. Okay. Just talk about the, like the, the idea behind it, the mission, the purpose of it. I'll, I'll give you the floor to do that.
1: So yeah, the, um the Institute, it was the Biblical Christ Research Institute. It was a, uh, it was developed and founded in 2014. And what I saw was a very sparse um, landscape uh, in terms of those who were writing uh, theologically, those who were teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw that issues were being left uh, unaddressed. And I, I, you know, I believe that there needed to be a platform and a forum uh, for individuals to be able to, expound on god's word uh to to expound not only in terms of the doctrines themselves but also to be able to articulate you know the things that typically get left behind when you're writing uh when you're writing about theological truth mm-hmm. um, and we developed a mission and i guess it's just fitting for me to read it um yeah that's, but, it, work. but it's uh it's to proclaim uphold preserve and defend the historical theological and bibl- biblical foundations of the Christian faith through biblical, theological, polemical, and apologetic research, writing, and teaching. And that, that says a mouthful, but essentially uh, what the Institute is about is it's, it's about research, uh, but it's also about the true Christ, the living Christ, the biblical Christ. And I wanted to give uh, myself and brothers uh, who are like-minded and sound in the faith, the opportunity uh, to write about divine truth, and to also encourage uh, the saints uh, to equip the saints Um, it is in conjunction with the lord's church uh, in merlin and also the biblical christ church here in uh, southern california so you know i just felt like with a lot of the you know a lot of the the bloggers fear uh platforms such as uh the gospel coalition and other situations just they don't go deep enough um i believe that they're very Vague when it comes to doctrine at times, um, I think other entities uh, typically write what, you know, they, they're, they're very focused on current events. And they're very focused on, you know, political ideologies, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. And what we wanted to do is avoid that we wanted to write for volume and length and depth, and to make people have to revisit our articles, you know, four or five times, um, or more if needed, uh, to really begin to understand you know, as a as not necessarily as we're infallible ourselves, but uh, because we're not, but just as a companion to the scriptures uh, to help uh, help equip the, the laypersons. And that's essentially what we're trying to do. Uh, we're not we're not in this to do something new. Um, well, I'm not trying to find a niche and none of our writers are. Uh, and this is certainly not something that we're trying to do in order to make a name for ourselves. That's why we're not very. Uh, personality driven at all. We just want to write what, what, what is fit for sound doctrine and to uh and to be a part of the process of watching individuals grow in their sanctification and knowledge of the scripture. And that's that's why we do what we do. Uh,
0: uh so what what uh what kind of ideas would you have for I know we've discussed it and I know you've discussed it with Eric and my you know what uh talk talk briefly about uh, Eric and Mike, so people can
1: absolutely have
0: absolutely. an idea about them too.
1: Yeah, so my, uh, you know, they're both dear brothers um, in the faith. And um, Eric was with me when I attended a seminary. And he was a brother who I knew of uh, briefly through my friendship with Mike Wellen. Um, and they're brothers that are truly uh, warriors for Christ, laboring faithfully, unapologetically. Um, you know, they fought their battles and their wars uh, against modern evangelical sentiment. And, you know, the one thing that I can say about them is they're very straightforward about this life in Christ. And, you know, they don't. That's true. Yeah, they they don't seek to uh, engage in the weapons of flattery and, you know, all the things that kind of... Um, Promote a certain evangelical upward mobility. I think these men are not only sound, but they certainly do practice what they preach. And, you know, Eric and I connected. Um, he was kind of the first individual that helped me write uh, with the Institute when we started. I think it was back in 2014 uh, or 15, is when he joined. Um, but I just remember him just lamenting the fact that he wanted to have a platform where he could extensively. Uh, deal with so many of the doctrines of the faith and also the theological implications and also the theology. He, he, he just really had a heart to just expound on God's word in a very in-depth way. And he just, he wanted a platform to do it. And at the same time I was kind of writing things about the charismatic movement and other things uh, that I felt like needed to be addressed. And he just added a whole nother explosive element to me. And, and the more, you know, the more he and I learned, the languages and things of that nature. And the, the Lord provided us the means to be able to uh, expound uh, both on Greek and a little bit of Hebrew at times. Uh, I think our writing got deeper and he's a very, very big cause for that. Um, he's, he's, he has certainly encouraged uh, the, the work of the Institute. Uh, Mike Wellen is certainly someone who's directly involved and deeply involved um, you know, and I think him, he, he, he provides a certain fire and encouragement to what we do. Um, and although he probably hasn't put in his pen to the pad as much as he would like, but he's certainly uh, in the midst of the battle and the war. And there's a lot of things that, you know, that we address um, all together that comes from, uh, that really comes from just the overflow of our work in Christ and just our walking together and just things that we've discussed when we've gotten together, uh, you know, and, so that's, that's pretty much how things have gone. I can't forget about Matt Lawrence, you know, who serves with me. here. Yeah, 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 He's definitely a big part of this. He's an integral part of what we do. Um, and, you know, and just a lot of it comes from just the overflow of what these brothers have been preaching and teaching and walking in for years. And, you know, nobody knows who they are because they don't really want to be known <laughs> the way that the modern evangelical personality uh, cult wants to be known. So we don't, we don't operate that way. So these are unknown men, but, I believe that they must be uh, at least men who are certainly respected and honored for their walk in Christ. And so, uh, you know, and then we can't forget about your labors as well, uh, where you are. So um, but, but we I believe we make a very formidable case to be able to do what a lot of people won't do. And that's sit down before the text. A lot of people are bored with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I would say that those involved with this institute and this effort, Uh, We're certainly not that, and we're not begging for anyone's resources either. We just do what we do, and we pray that the Lord would honor it in His time. So,
0: so um, uh, what what exactly? And I'm kind of interviewing you right now, but what what uh, (laughs) what can we expect from uh, TBCRI in the future? I know this is one aspect of it, just trying to do some some video. Video podcasts, audio podcasts. I know the the, the churches in Maryland and uh, in California are a part of it. But what what else um, do you see down the line that we would be doing to help the people of God?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I I, I think a I think a lot of um, you know the the part that really strikes a chord with us is not you know not the fact that. Uh, that it's an institute itself, but that it's a platform to be able to really go in depth and to really research, and by that I mean to hold things, um, you know, up to the scrutiny of God's Word. And so we have we have a lot of projects that we're looking at. I think we're we're looking at um, uh, really expanding our efforts to promote the doctrinal triage thesis, which we'll probably talk about that a little more. But Brother Eric wrote about yeah. that. Um, we're looking to develop that. I'm also looking to do some things concerning uh, the mounting so-called racial identity politics, uh, some things that I believe are out there that are just causing people to, <laughs> quite frankly, just um, advocate their position in Christ in some ways mm-hmm. and begin to identify with their political standing. Uh, we want to do some things against that. We certainly want to attack um, Black liberation theology, which is very, very popular these days. Um, you know, And then there's also the just the exegetical approach to God's word and holding that up. Um, I think you and I have talked about it toward an exegetical theology. Yeah, is, you know, I, I know I don't recommend a lot of books like I used to, but that's one that I definitely think shapes what we do and why we do it. Um, so we want to do a lot of the, you know, just the the legwork of uh, both writing. Uh, we have three categories: we have systematic theology, we have historical theology, and then we have uh, biblical theology. And along those three categories, we we're we're open to any topics that that, uh, that worked themselves out that way. We'll be working very shortly on uh, some uh, voluminous work on uh, the charismatic uh, movement and just how, um, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily interested in attacking it in terms of, I think strange fire did it a few years ago mm-hmm. where I agreed with some of their efforts, uh, but, but I think they, uh, they were looking at it as a fringe and non fringe effort. We're not going to look at it that way because me formally uh, being a part of it, I know that it's much deeper yeah. uh, than that. Um, so we want we want to we want to make uh, make a case uh, for the truth concerning Christ along those three categories uh, with respect to historical theology. There's things that we need to deal with uh, with respect to the books of the Bible. We write as though we're writing commentaries, but we certainly write as though uh, you could read the Bible. Uh, read our articles and really just come to the clarity of understanding that I believe the Lord illumines uh, mm-hmm. from his word and to be able to test and measure what we're writing because we're actually doing so based on the languages and uh, and, and and interpreting based on one interpretation uh, along the lines of the historical grammatical approach. Uh, that's, how, that's what we write. That's our projects that are coming up. Whatever we, we haven't uh, written, uh, we're probably going to look into doing so um, and then, uh, you know, lastly, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly, um, we'll certainly uh, be dealing with, uh, kind of, you know, I think what was happening in probably about four or five months ago, along the lines with the doctrinal triage, uh, there were some, uh, <laughs> you know, people were starting to triage conversions. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And I think even with the whole Kanye West situation and, and, you know, people were really, what it came down to is what does it mean to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I felt like we talking with some of the brothers, I felt like it was, uh, you know, it's time for us to maybe deal with those things as well. But right now we're just working on, you know, we're working on some books of the Bible, writing articles about Peter. I believe Peter provides encouragement in the face of kind of even what our nation is going through, what the world is going through Um, for Christians who live in that world. um, His his encouragements are not for our uh, unbelievers. Uh, But certainly we're writing, you know, we're writing kind of surveys and books of the Bible, uh, while also trying to uh, not so much exhaust ourselves by looking at contemporary context. Uh, but we certainly want to be able to speak to the issues uh, that are happening today biblically.
0: I think that should cover that section. I, th- I just thought that it would be uh, important that we talk about the in- the Institute and what we're actually trying to do.
1: Absolutely. I would uh, like to captured it. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. You're good, man.
0: You're good. Uh, yeah. We'll try to, you know, at some point get Eric and Mike on here. So I think it would be good to have all four of us on. or And Matthew. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Matt, too. So we can get all five of us on here at the same time, just talking about things. Yeah. Uh, that would make it even better. But for now, I think just this trial run, you know, it's good that the two of us are on here just talking about cool. this.
1: I think, Which, uh, yeah, I definitely believe I represent some of their interests as well, so oh I, yeah, yeah, we'll i'm sure
0: <laughs> you you talk to them a lot more frequently than I do, so I know uh you have the the mindset of what what they're expecting, what they're trying to do, what direction they want to go, so sure. yeah, but um
1: what just, else you got for, for me, man? what you got
0: <laughs> for the for the next you know forty forty five minutes okay. hour or so. Of course, what we when we texted each other, we talked about what we were going to talk about. Yeah. You know, Eric, Eric, Eric Powers. For those of you who don't know who he is, his last name is Powers. Eric Powers. He wrote a a thesis, a dissertation on uh, what we call a doctrinal triad. Uh, it's a very, very powerful treatise, very powerful dissertation uh, that he wrote for his. Uh, uh, it was a graduate thesis, right?
1: Yeah, it was uh, It was an MDiv thesis. It was the only okay. one written that year.
0: Yeah, okay. So he wrote uh, an MDiv thesis on a doctrinal triage. For, for those of you who may not know what that term means, doctrinal triage is how doctrines are divided into primary, secondary, and tertiary, sometimes even more than three categories. Right. Um, and how these categories are uh, used to define doctrine in terms of value. So your primary triage, your your primary triage section of doctrine, that's like what they would call the essentials, uh, things that you, they would argue have to believe in order to be a Christian. Um, and, and you can, Correct me if I'm wrong or, or make some adjustments, oh, Daron, if gosh, you need to. Sure. Um, the secondary is things that believers will disagree on and they'll make boundaries around that section where we may not be able to fellowship with one another because of these little secondary issues. And then the tertiary section is where it's just, OK, it's no big deal. I'm not going to part ways with you on these things. Um, so uh eric wrote a thesis against the doctrinal triage and the title is is there any biblical warrant for the doctrinal T- triage and i would recommend that everybody i know we've been posting it like crazy so but i would suggest that everybody that gets the opportunity to you know pull it down download it read it it's 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 very thorough work i mean he goes from the historical aspects of where it began where it came from uh he talks about uh at one point he talks about augustine and how the uh the quote about the essentials and the charity and how that was misquoted and didn't come from augustine and didn't show up until like the 1500s right you know and he talks about how the triage during the war and the importance of the medical field and how The triage divides, okay, this guy's got a greater trauma than this guy, so we need to work on him and not work on him. Talks about the medical field. And then he goes into several different passages of scripture where he exegetically breaks down why those passages cannot be used to argue for triage, but they actually argue against triage. So I think it's a very good read. I think everybody should read it when they get a chance. Uh, you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I think you've captured exactly what it is. Um, you know, there have been there's been a, a lot of resounding feedback about it as well. Um, you know, one of the things I appreciate about brother Eric is not only did he write it, he, he actually gave a copy uh to to Al Moeller. Uh, mm-hmm. so you know, hopefully Hopefully Al Moeller read it. Um, (laughs) Hopefully, you know, he can certainly abandon his position on it because it's causing a lot of devastation. Um, You know, I think people, what they're confronted with today is actually uh, this pandemic, although I don't, you know, I don't make light of it. But this pandemic has certainly caused people to begin to question things that they probably didn't even realize they're beginning to wonder where their place is within the world societal triage and kind of uh, oh, yeah. defining a non-essential worker and an essential worker, and that's hitting people close to home. But you know, Mueller did it with doctrine, and a lot of people followed. And Eric did a great job. He also addressed you know situations for more conservative, uh, so-called evangelical hotspots that would argue for uh, triaging of bad doctrine versus heresy and other things. Um, there's just a long list of reasons why. Uh, this doctrinal triage is unbiblical, but, you know, what it really comes down to essentially for people is the labor that it takes to actually study God's word, to apply it, to walk in it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the way that he presents his arguments also forces the reader to walk through the the, the text with him that he uses, um, you know, and a big, like you said, a big part of it is, uh, the, the historical argument, but the biblical argument is probably the largest part of it where he certainly argues that there is no biblical warrant for this uh, doctrinal triage. In fact, it comes out of um, not only the medical uh, field, but the way it's applied in modern evangelical context is to uphold a certain ecumenical unity. Uh, but that unity can be seen in the way that men are performing conferences. And I think that it is an enabling tool to ensure that conferences continue and to ensure that conferences continue to be lucrative. Uh, And I think he deals with the fact that you really can't share a platform with each other. If there's not a certain conviction about sound doctrine, that it's a unified corpus Uh, quality of content is how he worded it. Um, And that's how Jude actually explains it. And Eric does a great job addressing that. So I think this will encourage the heart of those Christians who are wondering why things are the way they are. And it's because men have put things on the back burner for so long uh, that even when something like a pandemic comes along, people are really not even equipped to make biblical arguments as to why what they're seeing flies in the face of God's uh, truth. Uh, They simply go to a place uh, of the emotional man-made appeal that is being made through the doctrinal triage. So you're essentially fighting you know earthly battle with earthly weapons and and that's not what Paul commanded in the scripture and so I think Eric does a good job of arguing uh, the point yeah my uh
0: another thing that I appreciated about his thesis was the fact that a lot of the a lot of books that I've read and probably you have read they tend to start with the scriptures first, yeah, and he starts with the external or the secular right. and then he moves into the word of God, which is the final authority. So it's kind of like you're forced to read, you know, through the historical and the secular and all that. And then you're right there in the face, right there in your face is the word of God at the end. Absolutely. And you can't, you can't get away from it. It's because it's, it's the final authority and it kind of helps you to understand uh, the importance of the word of God uh, in our lives, because he puts that right at the end. And it's not just like one passage and it's not like, you know, one little verse pulled out or anything. It's like exegesis of pericopes of scripture that you can sit and have your Bible next to you and you can take notes and you can actually absorb what he's saying and follow through verse by verse as he explains the reasoning behind, you know, why these verses don't fit in a doctrinal triad. So that's, that's another benefit of, that I see from the thesis, as opposed to some other books that I've read.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point, you know, and he he really did his homework. I remember being a part, a part of the kind of effort of him just, just raising up arguments that he felt were going to contend against the arguments that he was making from the Bible. And we'd sit, you know, for hours at a time and just really try to work through God's word on the issues. And I, I, he, you know, he went out of his way to purchase and receive permission and clearance from a medical journal, in order to really delve into what the triage, why, you know, what it came from, and that's essentially where Moeller said he got the concept uh, that he got it from the um, the triaging units as he visited a, an emergency room, um, and so, you know, Eric Eric went where where he went. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric went to the place of, you know, well, let me see historically where this came from. And, you know, the argument that he's making is not so much that it doesn't have a place in the medical field. It, it, it actually uh, seems to work in some ways pretty well. But you cannot superimpose that on the word of God as a hermeneutical principle. That is uh, the proper way to interpret God's word. Uh, you know, it's just too much at stake to, to, to do that. So uh, the thesis is written. Uh, there was another one written that uh, argued for the triage. Um, probably about ten years prior to the one he wrote, mm-hmm. and and that was kind of what uh, what made him feel it necessary to also address it. Okay, uh, but but that you know, even reading that one previously, uh, it was more just a you know a blend of hypothetical arguments and rhetorical <laughs> questions, and you know. But when you read this thesis, there there really is a confidence and clarity in God's word, and there's a standing that says we know, uh, we're sure we we know what the bible says uh, concerning doctrine and we know why it has to be unified and taught in the way it does and quite frankly that scares people today because it'll put a lot of people out of business when you uh, when you start upholding you know sound doctrine across across the board and men have to actually labor in the text and form their arguments from god's word and you know all those things are at stake but that is also what makes a mature man a mature a mature christian and so we want people to be uh, supremely encouraged uh, by by the fact that that triage is not it does not have a place in the scripture and quite frankly it is so subjective that even in the world's application of it some people are going to get left behind who actually need to be uh, treated medically yeah. in other cases yeah. so it's not a fail-proof method uh, method uh, even in the context of the world of uh, the medical field in which it's used so uh
0: yeah and uh, speaking of subjective I, my my biggest issue is the one that i i tend to argue from Um, the my biggest issue with it is the fact that if i let's say you and me and eric and mike and i got us all together and we we were let's say we were in favor hypothetically speaking we were in favor of practicing the triage Mm -hmm. if i asked the four of us to write a list of what was primary what was secondary what was tertiary I, we would end up getting different lists. That's a
1: good point. Yes. So,
0: so, so the issue becomes okay, well, okay. We have this triage in place, but who's right? Who, who's right? Because there are some people that make certain things essential that other make. That other people make secondary.
1: Absolutely. And
0: there's some uh, areas where some people make things tertiary that should be secondary. In somebody else's eyes. And then there's people who just don't care at all and they'll throw certain things completely out. Yeah. So it's like the, the triage can't work because everybody's not on the same page.
1: Right. And, and that was the lamentation of um, one of the writers who wrote a thesis in favor of the triages. Even he admitted that it's impossible to create uh, a uniform construct that allows for this doctrinal triage to be applied across uh, boundaries. And even individuals, um, you know, well-known evangelical personalities would throw their hands up essentially and symbolically and say, uh, it's really, we're just gonna leave it up to the churches. Um, and that, I don't believe that that kind of hopelessness exists, but there's also another issue that it deals with the allocution of resources and limited resources. That's, that's kind of the foundation upon which the triage is practiced in the medical field. Uh, But when you're talking about God himself and God's truth, uh, there there's not a situation where God does not possess adequate resources to successfully prove victorious (laughs) over error. And then there's also not that case among Christians, because we have, as Peter said, all we need pertaining to life and godliness. We don't have limited resources. We have unlimited resources because uh, because of our position in Christ and we have what's his as it relates to this inter- eternal kingdom and the truth that we have so um there there's no there urgency does not dictate uh the resources that we have every hour is urgent, uh but God's resources are infinite, and so um the triage itself stands on the point that somehow there's several attacks that we have to arm ourselves. Uh, and due to a lack of resources, we have to make sure that we're allocating our energy and resources in the proper direction or else we're going to run out. And that's quite frankly, you know, that would be laughable if we got up and introduced introduced the sermon that way. You know, <laughs> open up to this particular chapter. And I have to admit that this isn't everything you'll need in life, but we're just going to spend the next hour preaching it. I mean, if people had might as well go home, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so I mean but again I don't want to make a caricature of them I think they really are trying to figure out how to make arguments um, and how to sort because that's essentially what tears are and what a triage is is you're trying to sort things but uh, the Bible doesn't call us to sort anything in fact in Ephesians Paul talks about preserving the unity that we already have uh, and that and that which we already have has been handed down to us uh, that doctrine uh, so you know, once and for all, as Jude says, handed down to the saints. And Paul, and uh, and I'm sorry, Eric. Eric talks about that in the, in his uh, when he when he deals with Paul's, uh, you know, Paul's arguments in Corinthians. No. Uh, but I, I just I just think the allocution of resources and, and to pretend that we don't have enough, uh, that is a very dangerous place to be. And you know, I I can't speak to the motive of doing it across the board, but I can say the implication is you have people who will then begin to rely on uh, men as mediators between uh, themselves and God, because they don't feel like they have enough to answer the challenges that the hour faces.
0: Right. So, so leading, leading out of that, cause I think we've explained it pretty well as to yeah. the issue of the triage. How, what, so how should a Christian, um, if they don't have the triage, I know it's, a simple answer The simple answer is to treat all of God's word as high priority and yeah. don't have any, but how, how does that look like how, flesh that out? How does that actually look in a believer's life? If they're not using the
1: triage? I think, I think to put it simply, um, is the, is to really look at, and I, I would say one way that the the Christian has to almost arm themselves this way. Um, and that they have to look at how was it now i would I would pose a question to answer a question um you know how was it that the early Christians walked uh according to what they were being taught, mm, and point. how was it how did they respond to what they were hearing, and then how was it also presented to them and I think what you really see is um I would say one way to really steer clear of it is. You know, even in the way a person comes to study God's word, you know, I think typically individuals are studying God's word in such a way that uh, they almost treat the Bible like a fortune cookie. Like I'm Mm -hmm. looking for something to apply directly to me and to encourage me. And the word certainly applies to you and it encourages you. But I would say for a Christian who's not going to go the way of the triage, and begin to really leave some doctrines untouched. I believe you have to settle in your heart to study uh, the Bible in depth, as opposed to kind of the reading plan uh, mentality uh, Mm -hmm. that really reads at a surface level, and then never really deals with implications and doctrinal situations uh, that arise within the text. I think you have to uh, maybe pick a few books uh, of the Bible and say, I want to, you know, I want to read a book of the Bible in the Old Testament and study that at length. I want to read a book in the New Testament uh, and study that at length. And I believe from that, there's so many uh, branches that come out uh, and tentacles that actually reach into so many other passages uh, just because the way that the Bible, the way the divine author wrote the Bible, uh, that's that's essentially uh, that's essentially the way that it, it, it will read and the way that it will uh, be studied. Um, I think once you achieve that, then you're really upholding God's word and the nature in which it's written. And then you'll, you'll have to deal with eschatology. You'll, you'll have to deal with the gifts of the spirit. You'll have to deal with the covenants. Uh, you'll have to deal with the implications of the law and uh, you'll have to deal with ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. You'll find yourself in studying a couple of books uh, you'll find yourself having to deal with the issues that are somehow treated as though they're tertiary and secondary issues but they'll be primary in the text. And so I just think the study impacts how the Christian walks. And and if you study in depth as opposed to just kind of a uh, okay I checked off uh, these, you know, these three chapters I read today and I'm good to go and then I'll just listen to an audio sermon um, you know that's typically an issue with a Christian who has to deal with the, uh, who has to deal with doctrinal uh, arguments, and that's and honestly, that's the attacks that are coming at Christians today. It's it's philosophical. Mm-hmm. Everything is theologically based uh, because even the unbeliever has a theological belief system. And so, um, you know, I I just don't think Christians are going deep enough in God's Word. They're going deep into people's personalities, and deep into you know programs and performances and other things. But when it comes to study God's Word, there's not really, you know, wow, I got to deal with creation, and then creation ties into the covenants, and then I have to deal with you know the implication of the covenants. Then I have to deal with the fact that there's a new covenant, and then I have to deal with the fact that that covenant itself is going to be consummated in the return of Christ, and all these things that are in between that Christians really don't deal with, except, you know what, I heard a good sermon uh, on the <laughs> issue and they really don't go past that. And so, you know, so I think, it, I think the Christian applies uh, the non-triage approach uh, by essentially um, looking at the Bible for what it is, uh, but also, also maintaining uh, that, that, that very careful walk uh, and to try to really discern the author's meaning, uh, intended meaning in the text. And I think once you do that you end up dealing with all the doctrines and uh and quite frankly you you know you end up you end up uh really putting them all as as a as a uh, important as a unified corpus so
0: yeah i've 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 found it extremely refreshing just speaking for myself I've found it extremely refreshing to get away from the triage and it just opens up a whole new world of understanding the text you know because you're not trying to filter it through some manufactured value system or some 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 manufactured importance system of importance. Instead you're you're looking at every text as important. Um, You're valuing every single word of the word of God as opposed to uh saying, you know, brushing off certain things like, oh this is not all that big of a deal and this is this important, but it's not as important as this. Right. You know um and to just to piggyback off of something you said um yeah. uh you mentioned k- kind of mentioned biblical literacy and i think that the doctrinal triage well you mentioned it in the sense of christians not going deep into the word as they should now, i think the triage has a lot to do with that um because the it, what it does is is actually diminishes people's desire to be biblically literate because now they're placing things in the scriptures as not important and they're not studying it and they're missing connections like all of the connections that you just mentioned you know they're not seeing how things lead from one thing to the next and and, and they're not able to trace themes from Genesis to Revelation like like they should and so all it really does is just Produce weak Christians that really can't stand on their convictions, and we, you know, you and I always talk about how people, especially on Facebook, with secondhand convictions, where they, you know, constantly using hyperlinks and <laughs> quotes from their favorite theologians and stuff like that. And then when you ask them, you know, what I call probing questions, and when you ask them, you know, uh, uh. Or, or you, or you, or you make arguments about the implications of what they believe, then they can't, they can't come back to that, because they don't have the connections that we have from not using the
1: triage. Right, right. And that, and that's, you know, that's, that's the issue. That's why I say it really is based on um, an ecumenical unity, just this really broad, you know, sense in which we have to unite because we're saying we're Christians, Without really fleshing out what that means, and there's two things wrong with that. We're supposed to strive for unity. Um, and that unity is again to be preserved. It's something that we've already received in terms of how how are we how are we maintaining unity? We're maintaining it through uh, that which we have according to God's word. Uh, that's the one thing. Uh, but the other issue, you can see kind of how it's presented in such a way so as to make the conference circuit very attractive. If you go to a conference, um essentially you're given choices you can opt in to certain things that interest you and you can opt in to certain mm-hmm. seminars that speak to you or speak to issues you're facing and me i don't have to go to those because i'm not dealing with those issues mm-hmm. i want to be more uh, topically aligned to other issues and so i'll attend these three sessions and you'll attend these three sessions and really that, you know, that that mentality is what has essentially given life to the triage because, um, you know, Christians don't want to talk about infralapsarianism versus superlapsarianism. <laughs> and they don't want to they don't want to deal the hypostatic union. They really don't want to deal with these things. Right. Um, and, and the reason is because they're not being taught that these things actually matter and all are important. And mm-hmm. so um, and, and honestly, you can't champion what you don't know. Right.
0: So, that's you know, good really good
1: world in the world is uh, like, for example, plenty of Christians these days are educated in political philosophy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think it's good to be able to argue as to why the government's reaches a little further than it should be in some respects, but those same Christians don't really, in, in some cases, I won't characterize or generalize all of them, but in some cases you have uh, believers uh, are, they're simply distracted because they can't contend for, well, why is X, Y, and Z wrong? Or they can contend with uh, maybe something that their favorite personality is contending with, you know, like Joe Olstein. He's the whipping boy of, of modern evangelicalism. Right. But I'm going, there's so many more dangerous individuals who are literally suit and tie, look just like the conservative, conservative modern evangelical, and they're just as dangerous as he is. Mm-hmm. But these people can't tell you why. And the reason is because they're so joined to an emotional, uh, personality-driven religious experience that's devoid of this in-depth study where everything is important. And Paul warned the Corinthians about that when he tried to dispel with their schism. Um, you know where they were making men who actually served the Lord and agree appear as though they didn't.
0: Right, uh, right. First one and
1: three. I mean, so this isn't like something that's just novel on our side. The doctrinal triage is novel. Um, And so you're really trying to get to a place where Christians are thankful to Christ for what he's accomplished and really detach themselves away from kind of this, um, this identification with, you know, uh, with personality and charisma and, you know, the guy's well-spoken or he looks nice or et cetera, et cetera, all the things that are uh, quite frankly, fleshly in nature. Uh, But you have to go to where the Bereans went and just to, you know, flesh out what you were asking. Uh, that's 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 your sanctification that's at stake. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you can really look at the Word of God and go, you know, this truth is going to sanctify me. It's gonna it's gonna bring me to the point where, you know, I will be expressively cleansed of my righteousness at that time whereby Christ uh, returns, and that ongoing work is taking place in me now. That happens through the Word of God, not not just from hearing it preached by someone, but from you studying and mm-hmm. from you really trying to. Uh, really deal with with the implications of what's being said and obey the commandments that are being set forward. So, you know, I just, I I think that the triage is really one big emotional appeal. And and, and on the other side of it, people are becoming very rich for maintaining the triage. It's very lucrative. It is a lucrative trade. Um, You know, I think people who would gnash their teeth at what I just said would look at their bank accounts and agree with what I do said. <laughs> that it is very lucrative to not stand on uh, the all-sufficiency, to purpose-scuity is the clarity of God's word and how it's written uh, by the divine author and its intention and implications. You know, it's people who become rich just from just kind of being vanilla. You know, we're not going to stand on something uh, too strongly uh, for fear of losing a certain contingency when we come to your town to do a conference. You know those are issues that are facing Christians and Christians uh they have to decide because this faith is gonna it will it does come with trouble <laughs> especially if you stand on the whole truth uh, that's what's coming to you yeah so mm-hmm. since
0: since since we mentioned conferences and the celebrity culture, let's kind of just yeah segue into this whole annoying uh c- celebrity culture the the fanboyism the fangirlism, the yeah. the the sycophants and and <clears throat> and how as as you have stated before, how these men who um, are appreciating this praise they they don't shun the flattery they don't shun the praise, but instead they eat it up um, uh, talk a little bit about the celebrity culture of today's modern evangelicalism.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the, you know, the best, as I mentioned, the best place to start is where Paul deflected it in so many ways. You know, First Corinthians 1 uh, through 3. I mean, he's dealing with this report of just a, a, a certain division developing in that church uh, in Corinth. And it was on the basis that men were beginning to hold up their, their favorite person, against the other persons. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, and in, in, in this case, in the scripture where it happened, uh, between Apollos, uh, between Paul, um, and give me the other names. I might be missing them. Um,
0: uh, Peter, uh, Cephas.
1: Yeah. Peter and, and Jesus. Yeah. And they, I they, am of
0: Christ. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They were making it seem as though those four individuals were opposed to one another. And that, that was a larger issue. Uh, but the big issue was, is that Paul was not about to let anyone become a slave uh, to men, he actually talks about that as it relates to redemption, that you were bought with a price and not become slaves of men. But he was also not going to allow people to, uh, to hide in this person um, and to hide in him. And the reason is because Christians have to fight this spiritual war with their own convictions. And so this, this way is so narrow uh, that Christians have to deal with the implications of their own lives and how they live those lives and contended for the faith and stood firm on the truth. Um, those are things that everyone has to give an account for. and i'll I'll say so that's the first place it's shown up, and it has shown up uh, even in Acts and in other places. But today, you know i really I really think it has a lot to do with the corporate pragmatism and the corporate structure mm-hmm. of the of the Western Church, um, that there is a benefit uh, to being able to exercise uh, the weapons of flattery and slander. And also to seek upward mobility through attaching and identifying yourself with certain individuals mm-hmm. and also to appear as though uh, you're more righteous or you have more convictions because you're able to invoke a certain, um, you know, even the convictions of another individual. I watch people quote, you know, or we watch people quote things all the time and I'm going, you couldn't have just said that. You know, and, and attach the script to it like they're saying the most basic and rudimentary things as it relates to you had to bring in you know. And then you have people who are quoting other people who are thanking people for making them aware that the that you know that the quote exists. And I'm just going it's, it's such a it's such a rabbinical way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, I think the modern seminary is constructed along the lines of uh, the schools of the Pharisees in so many ways where. If you can quote this endless list of rabbis and teachers, somehow you appear before people to be uh, more astute, more learned, more righteous. Um, and you look at Jesus in that environment. He was he is the living word of God. He, he's quoting things uh, from the text to them. And he, there's plenty of times where he asked them, have you not read the scriptures? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's the basis of his argument in his existence, but you also see that same thing taking place. Um, he didn't see it in the Bereans. You didn't see, you know, when Paul comes to town, uh, they don't respond with the personality cultism. I think the reason it exists is because people don't necessarily, um, you, know, you know, I really, I, really think a big, I think a big part of it is that individuals, um, quite frankly, are not treated as though they are uh, created in God's image, uh, that they have the mind of Christ. Um, I really think that the the issue is you have individuals who if they can receive glory for what they do, then there'll always be individuals who follow them. Mm-hmm. You have to teach people that that's not the way to go uh, because adultery is not something new to the human heart um, because we're all created to worship. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and those who do not worship the Lord Jesus Christ will certainly worship idols. Um, so, you know, I don't think you have to fan the flames of adultery. It's there. Uh, but like you said, when, when you don't at each turn warn people that it's not your person and likeness, uh, that has really done anything that God hasn't given you to do. When you cease to do that, uh, you will bask in their glory and they will glory in you in your flesh. And Paul really, really rebuked that in so many ways. Um, even with the circumcision, they were, you know, they, oh, that's yeah, they definitely definitely. That's why they did it. So, but I think in modern evangelicalism, I think the you know, quite frankly, it has a lot more to do with money. I just think it's lucrative. It's, it's, it's kind of how it's it's the way of the land. It's it's how you know your building is going to get paid for. It's how you know you'll be able to sustain a living as a clergyman. Um, that's the way it's constructed, and that doesn't mean it's right. and And I think people can make all kinds of arguments as to why they don't believe that they're doing those things. Uh, but quite frankly, you'll hear people mention the theologians they love, and very little of Christ. Uh, you know, there, there's not a there, You know, we can lament the fact that the world doesn't say anything about Christ. We expect that, but people are calling themselves Christians, and all they're doing is just worshiping men and googling and giggling over <laughs> men, and it's just it's very it's very feminine uh, and effeminate. Uh, but it's also very destructive to both the person they're doing it to and to themselves, and the wisdom of the Proverbs deals with what the slanderous and the flattering tongue can do. Uh, but I, I, just, I just think, uh, modern evangelicalism is, is, um, it's reaping the benefits of kind of an emotional high, uh, that it, it, it brings before people and you have to have leaders to peddle that. Um, you know, I just, and I think there are some people who are actually saying things that may benefit the people who are listening to them. Uh, but then it all gets lost in the fact that if you're simply affixed to the person who said it and you're not praising God for it being said, uh, I think even those things become adulterous. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's an environment that uh, adultery is, is very lucrative. Um, you know, you have, everyone is rushing to the screen mm-hmm. to, in a sense, do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you today that I'll deflect every single acclaim and applause from this um, But, you know, you have people rushing to the stage, even with this, uh, this COVID stuff, people rushing forward, the hero, you know, the personality that, that, that brought the encouragement to you. (laughs) And, and so they want to, they want to, you know, they want to receive their flowers, I guess, while they smell them, but that's not why we do what we do. Um, You know, I I just think modern evangelicalism uh, has really, has really suffered from raising up, you know, men. Who provide a lucrative platform, and then those men are seen as righteous men and men to be followed, and uh, and you know, and from there, just the conference circuit just makes that explode in ways that uh, that I believe are are novel to 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 Christianity. <laughs> you know, it's like it's
0: like you and I always joke about. You know, it's like if if Duran or or myself says God is love. Just post that on Facebook and you get like what five likes. <laughs> but you let some of these popular evangelicals uh say that and it's 3.7 million likes, you know. Yeah. And it's like he didn't say anything nope. different than what I just said. I said God is love too, but because the triage has moved over into the celebrity culture in a form of hierarchy, yes. So now me and you and, and Eric and Mike and Matt, we're we're down here at the bottom of the, the pecking order. So we're we're just not important.
1: When you, know? you, triage, when you triage doctrine, you will triage people. Uh, uh, that's what James spoke against too, just partiality. You know, it won't, it won't, it will no longer be so much about what's being said. It's more, I'll affirm it based on who said it. Who said it, right. I don't even care if it's wrong. You know, if that person's saying it, and you know, it, it is it is a it is a culture built on fear that makes you worship men. And even even the world's personality cults, um, they operate the same way. That you know, you can watch a special on North Korea. We we both we both like history, and they say all these things about uh, about the, the the family dynasty in North Korea. And they yeah. say things about the rulers, you know, Kim Jong Il yeah. and, and his son and all. You know. Yeah. Even the grandpa, they say all these things, and the people even look inauthentic in their praise, but it's like they have to say it <laughs> because that's their that's your survival I mean you right kicked out of this environment that you've that you've known if you actually begin to measure men and say, "You know what, brother, that didn't sound right what was coming out of your mouth, you know right
0: um, yeah, I, you know I told you about the time when when I had finished teaching and uh on Laodicea and the interpretation of hot and cold." Yeah. And, I, and then I said after I had finished teaching it, and then that guy brought a, a certain study Bible up to me. Yeah. And was like, well, this guy says right here in the study notes, he says that this interpretation is supposed to be this. And I was like, well, he's wrong. <laughs> and the guy's face just like turned pale and dropped and then he was like well how can you say that he's wrong he's been in ministry and this is the, he's been in ministry longer than you how long have you been in ministry have you been to seminary he starts asking all of these you know questions the, that don't even matter
1: yeah, age you know? and experience is now the the, the means from for, for matter <laughs> i really you know i i think there's i think there's something to the understanding that uh and again you know Okay, why are these things happening? Here's how to prevent them. There's something to understand that age and experience is not determined if a person is, in fact, uh, mature uh, mm-hmm. in the faith. You know, and, and even where it's not where they stood 15 years ago when they impacted you. It's consistency over time. You know, that, that's how a person demonstrates faithfulness. Are they consistently growing in the knowledge of the truth? And are they consistently applying it? Uh, in the way that they did in years past. But, um, you know, certain individuals, again, if you, when you triage men uh, in that way, you're, you're, you're going to put men in, you know, primary importance, mm-hmm. secondary importance, and tertiary importance. And you begin to just flood them with all these, uh, you know, f- very fleshly and sick ways to, to discount what's being said. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I just think the culture, I just think the culture of that world, um, is it's, it's flourishing because people, as we said before, they're just not being taught to study for themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and even with these study Bibles, I mean, the the people have to be careful because the the study notes are not inspired. Uh, They're not inspired texts. That's the first thing I said about the Institute and the, and the ways that we write, we want, we want you to scrutinize it. We want you to argue with us. If something we said, you know, I I get messages from people who I love and say, you know, even if punctuation is out of place, you know, (laughs) to me that's a blessing, you know, like I want you to scrutinize things to that level, Um, you know, and I just, I I don't see that happen. And it's okay. This individual said something. And so I believe it because it's coming from that individual. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Um, And then you just have people who disagree. Um, The issue and brother Eric and I used to always talk about this. The issue is that people are looking at their roles. I'm talking about leaders. Mm-hmm. Are looking at their role as they need to formulate doctrine. That's not your role in the church today. You do not need to formulate doctrine. You need to preserve the doctrine that was handed down. Right. You're not trying to come up with, you know, your own counsel, and you're trying to figure out through these Q&A sessions, you know, okay, what things do we have to hold to it? That's not your. That's not your task. That was the apostolic task. Mm-hmm. Your task is to teach that which is already written, if you, in fact, are a teacher. And so, um, you know, I just I just think when you when you position yourself as being someone who is uh, supposed to formulate doctrine, the people will depend on you and the people will gravitate towards you. And, you know, it happens to people who who don't want that and their job like Paul and, and like John um, and like the angels and like, you know, and like <laughs> even, even even when they tried to flatter Christ and call him a teacher but didn't want to obey him. You always have to deflect vain praise uh, away from yourself. All right. You always, that's that's the goal of every Christian, but especially those who are who are teaching, uh, that you have to be not only willing, but you have to be willing to deal with the consequences of that. You might end up looking like a very small outfit that doesn't have a lot of likes or followers, uh, but guess what? You're being faithful to be Christ. Faithful. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, robbing him of his glory. All right. So
0: yeah All right. Well, I think I think we pretty much hammered the nail into the wood on this one.
1: (laughs) What about the gift of gab, man? Once you get me going, I'm a talk, man.
0: This is Train of Thought, an audio and video podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute.